Well, good morning. How are you? We, uh, we take great privilege, uh, honor to recognize the graduates this year. Uh, we only had three, but what quality young people they are. Uh, uh, Drew Hart and Emma Jane Godby, Madeline Love. We appreciate these young people so much, and we pray the Lord will bless them with much richness, richness and grace and blessings in their lives. We sure welcome each and every one of you, too. Um, you've seen the announcements we'll be recognizing the graduates a little further down in the um, uh, sanctuary after the service. Uh, so may the Lord uh, bless us as we fellowship time together. So many uh, of you here, some of you here that haven't been c coming back since the, uh, the uh, pandemic, um, standing home or sheltering in place guidelines, but we're glad you're here today, and we pray that as we cautiously uh, embrace the coming back together and being together, that God would bless us, and that God would keep us all safe, and we have so much to be thankful for this beautiful Lord's Day. Uh, what a blessing. Uh, also, um, I want to recognize a, a couple in our church. It's my great honor. I have sort of a personal interest in it. Uh, if Caroline uh, Waters and uh, Ricky Cook would please stand. Uh, this young couple recently announced their plans to be married, and uh, we just uh, want to bid them Godspeed and ask God to bless them as they make those plans and they, as they do what God has ordained from the beginning of time. May the Lord bless you both. Also, uh, regarding the prayer list, uh, thank you so much for your prayers and your thoughts and your cards and your faithfulness through the time we've been physically separated, uh, I, I feel like there's almost an uh, uncanny realization of our spiritual closeness, and that's how God deals with it. It's such a paradox, anyway, being a Christian, how that we can face trials and problems and feel closer to God than we've ever felt before. So thank you for, uh, for uh, blessing people with your uh, encouragement, uh, your cards, your phone calls uh, through this time of uh, situations where we can't see people or visit people maybe uh, like we once did. Um, I want to also remind you, I know his name was on the, uh, on the scroll and video, uh, Landon Sykes, young man, has uh, been on our prayer list a while. He will be having surgery uh, June 3rd in Atlanta. So be in prayer uh, for him and Brother Mark and your family situation with uh, Dylan McCoy. We, most of us know that situation and we trust he's uh, uh, going to be recovering from that horrible accident and situation that he's dealing with. And so many more. Uh, I don't have to tell you the situation with our nation and all that's going on. And uh, we don't have to look, look far to know how much we need the Lord. And I think that's what it's bringing out in our lives. In fact, would, I, would you join with me now as we have a prayer together? Our dear, most precious Heavenly Father, we come in Jesus' name. We come, O oh Lord, with the intention to glorify you, to magnify your word, and to set aside ourselves. And to do that, Lord, we'll certainly need more than our academic approach. We will certainly need your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would humble us and help us all to, to bow before thee from our hearts on up. Use us and bless us, Lord, in this time of ministry. We thank you, Lord, for these young graduates, and we pray that you'd guide every part of their lives in the days ahead. They have so much to look forward to, and they bring such joy and 
we, we thank you, Lord, for their parents and those that have taught them and those that have nurtured them. And we thank you, Lord, that you've allowed this church maybe to be a small part of that arrangement too, of nurturing and admonition of your word and situations that you give us here as people of God. We thank you, Lord, for each one that is here. I don't know what's all going on in their lives, but I know you do. I do know, though, that your word is applicable to every part of it. There's nothing you're not aware of. We pray, O oh Lord, that you'd bless our broken nation. We pray that you'd heal us, that you would, Lord, hear our cry, and that you would give us the prompting as people, as desperate as we really are, to just cry out to Jesus that you would heal our hearts, heal our land. And Lord, understanding that it's not the virus, it's not, it's not the rise, it's sin. And we pray, O oh Lord, that as we turn to Jesus, you will show us that. We pray especially, Lord, for our law enforcement, that you would bless those men and women that are so courageous in the midst of all they have to do and deal with. Not that they sometimes make mistakes, but we know, Lord, for the most part, we're so thankful what they do and how they protect us in every waking moment almost. So thank you, Lord, and bless us now to go ahead and worship you. We ask you to bless every church, every place that's gathered today in Jesus' name. Worship in spirit and in truth. Whether that's on our YouTube or Internet or Facebook or wherever it might be. In your great congregations of grace. We thank you for the sweet privilege of knowing Jesus. So hold our hand, O oh Lord, lest we let you go and stray away again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to turn with me today and invite you to at least to the book of Romans chapter 5. Please turn there. What a wonderful book the chapter, the whole book of Romans is, but chapter 5 in particular. We certainly can't deal with all of it, but I've been dealing with revival, as you know, in the last few weeks. I want to continue that theme of revival. And you say, well, gracious, man, why are we going to talk about revival when we got so much going on? That's exactly the time you need to talk about it. I believe that there's... Uh, more potential now for revival among God's people, uh, the more need of God's Word. I think God's Word is getting more exposure than it's ever gotten before. And I believe God's people are reacting to it. You know what? The Bible is such a great book. It, it is the greatest book that's ever been written because it was written by God. And uh, I invite every one of you. And I'm going to talk today. I want to talk somewhat to the graduates since it's that kind of Sunday, but also to all of us. Because really, uh, every graduate, I want you to know, it's really not a commencement, or it's a commencement. It is. It's not an endment. And that is for all of us. We never graduate in this life. We don't. We're still in this life, and we're going to be the God calls us home. So there's a lot we have to learn. We'll never, we'll never graduate, so to speak. Uh, but, but we need to embrace God and thank Him for His many blessings and ask Him to lead us and guide us. And, and revival is a part of that. See, I'm just talking about the Bible. And I think about the Bible as this great book of God. And, and I pray that we won't ever neglect it. I know I have so much in my life. But you know what? You can get a lot out of the Bible. If you really get serious with God's Word, and God gives you that enlightenment from His Spirit, you can get a lot out of the Bible. But even more so, the Bible will get a lot out of you. The Bible will get a lot out of you. <laughs> It'll get a lot of sin out of you. You just get with this book and you get serious with God. And you get really into it, and he'll, he'll, tell us, he'll tell us exactly what to do and what don't to do. He'll give us comfort. Sometimes he will convict us, but it's truth. And I pray that we won't shuff it off no more and ask God to help us and bless us. You know, I've talked in two, two different uh, places or two different 
services, let me say it, that, about revival in a kind of a thematic approach. One is we dealt with the, uh, the riches of revival, and we saw in Nehemiah what a situation where they found the book, and it was a rich God word. This is good. When you really find the book, have you not noticed this is the food of life? This is the bread of life. Jesus didn't just say that as a figure of speech. I mean, it is, it is something that said, gosh, this is what I need. I need God's book. I hope that we know as a nation, this is what we need. We need God's word. I mean, I mean it, it, that's the solution to, to every revolution. And it ought to cause us to, to bless God and hope in him more than anything else. Um, and then we talked last week uh, about the rigors of revival. What I meant to say or tried to say with that is, is revival is rigorous. And that, that we talked about the uh, situation where Jericho uh, was conquered by God's people with insurmountable odds. I mean, they walked around the place seven times, and on the seventh day walked twice. They didn't say a word. They just blew some trumpets. Why did they do that? Because God told them to. They had the rigor of obedience, and that's where revival comes from. And today, I want to talk about the rules of revival, the rules of revival. And one place we find that is in Romans chapter 5. I'm going to read the first five verses. I know I gave you verse 3 through 5 as a text, but let's look at all five of them. First five verses of Romans 5. Would you look at it with me? Therefore, wherever you see that in the Bible, you know something's gone on before that. And that's what Jesus has done for you and me. He's died for us on, our, on the cross. You understand, don't you, that, that without Jesus doing that and giving us his righteousness, uh, we would have no way to get to heaven. There would be no way we could be revived. <laughs> no way. I mean, we wouldn't have nothing to be revived about. We wouldn't have any eternal life to revive. Uh, we, we have no way of getting to God by our own merit. We'd never be good enough. So, so therefore, he's done this. We, we, can, we can be revived. We are, we are ready for revival. Now, the deal is you can be a Christian and not be revived. You hear me, don't you? You can be revived. You can be a Christian and not be revived. But, but to be revived... You can't be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. And that is one of the greatest rules of revival, that God gives us His Spirit, His Holy Spirit. The Scriptures are very clear. Without the Spirit of God, we will not know Him. We have the receptacle in our natural mind. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural man receiveth not the things of God, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So, you know, when you get around God, you get around looking for Him. Now, here's the deal. Here's the thing about revival that we miss sometimes. I hear people say, you know, I'm seeking God. I'm looking for Jesus. I read about it. I hear people say it sometimes. The deal is, though, if you're looking for God, you are already have, you have him already. You have him already. Don't tell me, you know, you're not going to look for God unless you already got him. You see, you're not going to look for God if, if God hasn't already found you. You're not. See, when you start looking for God, it's when you are in the mode of revival. So you remember that and ask God to help you to press on in that, to have that experience. And that's what this part of Romans, I think, talks about, as we'll see. Therefore, being justified by faith. Justified means just as if you never sinned. That's why faith is so important. It's not how much you faith, it's the object of your faith. The object of your faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. We trust in him. We believe him. We believe that he is exactly who he says he was. He did what he said he he done, and he's now where he says he was going, making intercession for us. Well, we're justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Man, you're talking about that word peace kind of rings melody with us today. I mean, we need peace. And, you know, peace with God is so important. If you don't have peace with God, you don't have peace with anything. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So now these two verses, and I know I haven't got to really what I want to say yet, but I wanted you to see with me the foundation here of, of grace in our life. Number one is that we have faith, we have rather peace with God. That is utmost important for the rules of revival, to have peace with God. The only way we can have peace with God is because of what Jesus did on the cross. He declared him in an earlier part of Romans, that's where the therefore comes. He declared in Romans 3 him to be our propitiation. That is, he took our place. That all the wrath of God is vented on Jesus. Not because of what Jesus did, but because of what we did, and Jesus took that. So that is what God did. So we uh, have that peace with God, not because we're in church today, not because we've been on a mission trip or read the Bible or gave $100 last week to the church. The reason is because Christ has died for us, and we're not the children of wrath. We're not. And we have that because of Christ, and we need to rejoice in that. That ought to revive us up just like that. But anyway... We, we need almost pulverizing as Christians sometimes to understand what God has done for us. I know I do. Man, what a blessing. I start whimpering and complaining about things I ought not to. And man, what a blessing it is to know God and what the peace he gives us. I mean, we ought to say, well, bring on God whatever you want us to do and how you want us to live, what you want us to say and the trials and tribulations we face because I know you're going to be with us and give us grace. All right, we're going to stand in this grace and rejoice. So what did I say? I said we got peace with God, but we have a, a grace to stand in there, okay? And so we can see that as foundational, that God gives us faith. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Um, that, and then there's a rejoicing. In verse 2, there's rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. So really, my points, the rules I'm talking about is going to notice it begins with hope. Our hope has to be in God. It's the anchor of the soul, hope. God. Verse 3, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Notice that it, ends, it starts with hope and ends with hope. So I want to say briefly, kind of in a, in a practical aspect of this, when you're talking about the, the rules of revival. Notice there's, you know, there's some steps, you know, we, he's talking about tribulation, glorying in trouble. Well, how do you do that? Uh, how do you, how do you, what do you, what do you get out of that? You get patience, where you get, you get from experience, the situations of your life that you have to go in. So let's look at this. First of all, I want to say practically, one thing that I see as a rule for revival is that we must face our troubles. Face our troubles. Uh, now, that's nothing we like to do. But notice the, the, the writer here, the Apostle Paul, is talking about glory in your tribulations. That is, that is your, you're not glad you have to hurt, by no means, but, but you but you glory in them. You're, you're thankful that God is with you and that God has promised to use these trials and troubles 
to bring us to a more uh, useful state. That, that's what revival is. You know, if you know that you're useful, if you know that your life has a purpose, you find that purpose and you understand that God is using you and blessing you to do that. Now, one of the greatest things we need and to understand the rules of revival is, is that of growth. We need to grow. See, that's the purpose we're in this world is to grow. It really is. And, and so when I think about growth, I'm thinking about inside growth. You know, the thing about understanding revival in the context of the world today, from a natural standpoint, wouldn't make a bit of sense. But the deal is, and you know this too, that spiritual prosperity and, and uh, material prosperity do not go to the same school. They don't. And so when we see our need of God, we see the greatness of understanding, but we have to say, you know what, I want to face my problem, face my trouble. I was talking to a guy just yesterday who is in a rehab situation, uh, addiction, and he was talking about some, a speaker he heard, he said, you know, that's exactly how I feel. He said, I used to think that I had to get me a drink or a drug to make me feel better. And so I went from one thing to the other, one thing to the other. And it never worked. It's always deceiving. But he said, when Jesus got into me, when Jesus came to me, when Jesus found me, he said, he said, then I said, I don't need anything else. You can't get any better than Jesus. And that's true. And so, but to what brings us to that is understanding you have to face your troubles. And you know what? One of the greatest troubles that I've had to face is myself. <laughs> you know, I had to face, you know, sometimes you can be your own worst enemy. You have to deal with yourself. Thank God that God, we see the peace in this, God saves us um, from our sins. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to die for sinners. He came also, he probably saved us from others. God is going to protect us. But you know, to save us from ourselves. And so to face our troubles, as you understand, sometimes that breaks our pride. Uh, Galatians 6.3 is a good verse. He says, when a man thinks he deceiveth himself. I don't know if any era in my life that I've been through as a little preacher than this pandemic and these riots that we tell the world is understanding that and I'm nothing. I'm really actually nothing. I think we all have seen how weak and fickle we are. And even as a nation and even as the uh, situations in our life, the foundation of our finance and whatever we've built, we, we know that we can't depend on that. See, our hope must be in God but it's inside growth. And here's where God does that. And God has to do it. You ever heard of the University of Adversity? I don't know if any of you, well, I know you are. You're going there. Everybody's going there. And you know what? Your tuition is free. It's called experience. But you don't have a choice about attending the University of Adversity. You don't. Because that's what God does. Uh, Jonah went to that school, the old prophet Jonah. He graduated in three days. You remember that? And he come out saying salvation is of the Lord. And that's what we need to say. When we can say salvation is of the Lord, we are going to be in revival. If you really believe that, that's what Jonah said. Salvation is of the Lord. So there's a university of adversity. And, and this university of, of adversity is something that 
as I said, you got to go there. You're going to have some sleepless nights. You are. You're going to have some nights that you cry your eyes out. You probably have already had some. You're going to have them. We're, we're all in this together, okay? You're going to have some times in your life where your heart is going to be absolutely broken. You're going to be betrayed by people that you trusted. I'm just telling you about the reality of life. And, and we, we're going to see that. And we're going to, you're going to understand that people are going to talk about you. You're going to have a lot of situations to deal with in your life. But that's a part of the university of adversity. And what happens, God is growing us. And he's growing us on the inside. I used this example years ago, and I want to try it again if it'll work. But one thing is that if you take objects of different sizes, but of the same density, and you put them in a box or a bucket or a barrel, and you shake them, then, then the big ones are going to rise to the top. And that's how life is. You see, in the university of adversity, you're, you're going to get shaken. You're going to get upset. You're going to be exposed to things in life that's not going to be so hunky-dory. And, and we got, that's the part. Jesus says in this life, you shall have tribulation. John 16, 33. He didn't say you might have them. He said you shall have tribulation. But he says be of good cheer. You can have revival in the, even these adversities and these troubles because I'm with you. I'm overcome them. Jesus says I've overcome them all. And so we need to appreciate that and thank God and lean on him and trust him through these uh, things that we go. Even the Apostle Paul in Acts, you remember, he says, with much tribulation, we enter the kingdom. And so uh, we, we see the trouble that comes on. But so we have this, and it grows us, that's what it does, on the inside. So that, so that we can, you know how you measure, you know, you talk about success. You know, I think about the graduates and how the success in their life is already evident, but, but you're going to have room for such growth in, in all this. I want to grow, and you want to grow, and we're going to continue because we're in the university of adversity. That's what we're in. And so what happens when we're exposed to these trials and troubles, situations that God allows to come in our life, how do we measure success? Success is not um, some sort of accomplishment necessarily. You know, I think it was Abraham Lincoln I read years ago in a quote that he said, success is going from one failure to the other without losing your enthusiasm. Actually, success is 99% failure. There, you know, what, what I mean by that is when God works our inside, that's why we need to work on what's in our character and what God gives us. That, that we can grow so that when we're exposed to unjustly things in our life, we don't have to retaliate. You don't have to retaliate. You don't have to get on the street and protest and burn down buildings, okay? You don't. I mean, why? Because that shows your smallness. It shows, you know, when you look at the density of our life and we see that that's what grows. So when people talk about us, we don't have to, to get our two cents worth in. And this is a measure... Of, of our growth in our life, and that's what the university of adversity will teach us. And so it's, a, it's a, again, a school we have to attend. Uh, some of us don't want to go there, but that's a part of what God has given us. And the Apostle Paul is bringing that out here because he says, we glory in tribulations. 
we glory in. And that means that we're going to give God the glory because we know what God is doing and how he's bringing our lives. We might not understand his working, but we, we understand that God is blessing us and he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, secondly, firstly, notice, I think about the rules of revival. We have to face our trouble and we're going to have it. Every time you think about revival, you're going to find adversity. God brought the people of Israel into the Canaan land through the wilderness, through the wilderness. So we have these things that happen. I, I read a verse this morning. I haven't really noted in a long time over in Jeremiah. You don't have to turn there, but gracious, this is a sweet verse. It kind of paints a uh, context of what I want to try to say in the preparation. Because see, the thing is, you and I won't fit in our life, and I'm talking about the inside growth. You can't have something until you're prepared for it. See, God is preparing us for something. And he's preparing us for heaven. See, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Uh, in, in Jeremiah chapter uh, 12, in verse 5, here's a verse. And what Jeremiah's doing is warning people, says, now listen, if you're going to be complaining so easily, you don't know what's coming out there. We don't either. I, I frankly think things are going to get a lot worse, you know, and, and we need to be ready we need to be prepared and where's that going to come it's going to come from god and and we need to be able to glory in that he says in this jeremiah chapter 12 verse 5 if thou hast run with the footmen and they have wearied thee then how canst thou contend with horses and if in the land of peace wherein thou trustest they weary thee how then wilt thou do in the swelling of jordan what he's doing you notice he's incrementing the uh, severity of the trials. You know, the horsemen, the footmen. You know, if, if they bothered you a lot, what about when you get to the swelling of Jordan? So, so one gets the work, you know, kind of builds on that. So God is preparing us. In, in this school of adversity that we go to, uh, we might not understand it, but you know, Moses, I talked about Moses, uh, spent 80 years getting ready to do 40 years work. Isn't that amazing? 80 years, that's what it took Moses. And so God had a purpose in that. So, so the adversities, the trials that you're going through in this university of adversity, God has a purpose in it. Secondly, we need to understand that faith never fails. Faith never fails. And this, this verse proves that, that, that there's access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. If anything will prove the reality of what you really believe. And I think that we need to really believe this. I, I, somebody was telling me, I forget who it was, somebody in the family, I think, about this famous uh, Christian singer. I, I can't remember the name. Some of you might have heard this. Come out this week and said he didn't really believe in Jesus. He didn't really think about Jesus. Any, he, he, he always thought that it was a big farce. And he just come out and publicly said that. Now, I've been listening to some of these guys' songs. I don't know if you want to listen to the channel even more anymore. You know what I'm saying? But what happens? See, the pandemic brought all that out. The riots bring all that out. See, what happens, though, our faith never fails. But it takes a crisis to bring us to the point that we know without a shadow of doubt that our faith is real, that we're trusting in God. We might hurt we might not understand it, 
but we know that God knows. We know that He is real. Now see, when you can say that, that is a rule of revival. See, faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. How in the world are we going to know we have faith if we don't have, if we don't have any trials and no testing in our life? Well, that's why God loves it. I mean, that's why God allows that in our life. He does. You know, I was thinking about the Apostle Paul. Look at, uh, or I'll, I'll read it. You, you might know these verses by heart, but 2 Timothy in chapter 1. Here is Paul in prison. And you might say, why in the world does Paul have to go to prison? I mean, such a great preacher, wrote more than the New Testament. About it. Here's a guy that even dies in prison in Philippians. Um, but in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is writing to the young preacher Timothy. See, this is how your faith is going to be transferred. See, you are building a legacy of faith for your children and grandchildren. So you hold on tight, okay? And so it comes out in trials, and Paul's in prison, and he wants the young preacher Timothy to know that faith never fails. Notice what he says in verse 12 of 2 Timothy chapter 1. For the which cause I also suffer these things. He's suffering. Nevertheless, see that's, that's faith coming in here. I am not ashamed. Don't ever be ashamed of your situation in Christ, okay? Don't ever be ashamed of, of whatever's happened in your life. Maybe God is just using that because God is allowing that to come to make you more serviceable and useful and to bring rejoicing and revival not only to your heart but to others. Paul says, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. Listen to him now. He says, I know whom I'm have believing. The man's in prison. And he says, nevertheless, I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Now that is revival. That is understanding that faith. Not, it's not just something that says, well, I, when I get out of the circumstance, you know, we say, well, when I get everything working out all right in my life, then I'm going to have faith, I'm going to be revived. No, it has to do, the rule is, right where you are. God is saying, right now, faith never fails, and how are you going to believe this? How are you going to bless this? So don't quit. Don't quit. And the reason we can say that is because what God is doing with us. Now, here's a verse i got to share with you. I mentioned Philippians a while ago. Look at these verses, chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Paul again, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But look at verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you. Notice that word worketh. Faith without works is dead. And it's the working of God in your life that is bringing out, bringing you and me through the trials and tribulations of our life that proves that faith never fails. Never fails. And that's why we're here today. That's why we can rejoice in God and bless Him, both to will and to, to do of His good pleasure. My goodness, what a blessing. What a profound experience the Apostle Paul had. Okay. So we've said two things so far, and I'm going to try to ramp it up in about five or ten minutes maybe, but face our troubles. 
I mean, that's, that's evident. Uh, faith never fails. How do you know that? Well, you go through some tough times. You look back at your life, and you know God has never left you nor forsaken you. I mean, you know, I know that I'm very prone to stray, and I'm very weak, and yet I know that God has always brought me back, because, you know, He's given me His Spirit, He's given you His Spirit, and that is a seed that will ever be there. And what a blessing it is to see that even though we go through these trials and problems that we do in our lives. Um, Number three, revival, one of the rules, third rule, is we see our fresh need of the Lord. Do you see a fresh need of Jesus in your life? When you see that, you see that that is revival. So, so we've, had, we've had Lord, maybe we've been Christians all our lives, some of us. But we know now, I need him today. Uh, I, I, one of our rooms, one of the girls' bathrooms has a, a sign on it that says, when I rise in the morning, give me Jesus. You remember that song? When I rise, give me Jesus. I can still hear Josh Devane, Devane singing that, can't you? I'd like to hear that again, by the way. <laughs> but anyway... I, I think about a fresh need of Jesus. That's what I need every morning. Because we're hopeless without Him. That's what it is. Uh, that's what causes us to rejoice in the hope of glory. You know, when we, before we get up in the bed, this has been how I am. This is how weak I am. You know, I have need Jesus today. I need Him. I say that before I get up. Oh, God, help me. Sometimes I can commit sin before I ever get out of bed. I can. I mean, that's how weak I am. But I'm telling you, I need Jesus. I need to go to His throne of grace. I need His cleansing from my daily sins. I need to make Him know that He is my Lord. And I need to know that. And when I say that, fresh need of Him as our Lord is His embracing all that He is. His incarnation, His perfect life, His death, His resurrection, His ascension, His intercession. And know that you know what? He's coming back. Jesus is coming back. And doesn't these times make us more aware of the return of the Lord? You know, when we see these things, Jesus said in Matthew 24, says, look, look up, your redemption draweth nigh. Look up to Jesus. Look up to Him, a fresh look at Jesus. And these kind of situations bring that to us because we see how helpless it is. You know, maybe, I was just thinking, if one of the rules for revival, I think sometimes we want to work, 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 you know. And some of this is really good. I want to work more for God than I've ever had. But you know what? I need to make sure I do. I need to be willing to trade my work for God to a walk with God. You hear me? Trade your work for God for a walk with Him. To have the freshness of knowing. You know, I was studying this morning, early before daylight. And and I remember, and you've noticed this too. Uh, my wife and I was talking about this not long ago. Have you noticed how loud the birds seem to be singing? I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, I was inside my house, and I could hear all kind of a chorus going outside. You know what God does sometimes? I don't know anything about violins. Um, I know Megan probably could tell, tell us about this. But, but, you know, you don't. you have to tune those strings, and you have to keep them tight for them to sound off with that beautiful melody. And you know what that God does in our life? He does it with adversity. He does it with trials. That's what Paul's saying here. He says, 
these tribulations work with patience and patience, experience, and experience hope. See, experience comes, and that's where revival comes in because we experience God. We experience life. Yeah, I guess we can be saved by the skin of our teeth. I mean, Jesus saves us. He saves us completely. That is so true. But nevertheless, to be revived and to embrace that, to be able to say, no matter the situation in our lives, like the Apostle Paul, hey, I'm persuaded. I know that my Lord lives. And I know that He's able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. Can you say that? Will you say that? And may the Lord bless you too as we think about knowing our great need for a fresh need of our Lord. You know, I, I wonder, you know, uh, I really believe, I guess I'm being personal to you, I seem to be happier now than I've been a long time. Does that make sense? And I know I, I know, I miss being in the church. But you know what makes us happy? Making us happy is not everything going just right. It's not, it's not having a lot of money. It's not everybody being real healthy, you know, and things just, everybody's saying you're such a great guy. You know what, what happiness is? We won't be really happy till we're hurt. Does that make sense? It don't make any sense humanly, but that is the truth. You know, God knows how to hurt us. I've told you that before. He will hurt you, but he'll never harm you. Because, see, what God does is allow things in our life. That's what Paul is saying. These experience, this patience, experience, tribulation, experience, patience, all this. Make us where we have that hope in God and we bless it and all that he does. So, so we're happier. We're happier in these trials and tribulations because we're trusting in God. And we see that this life, you know, I'm, I'm letting go of it a little bit, you know. This world that I was so counting on is not going to be what I thought it was going to be. But when you have God, just like the guy that had the addiction situation, when Jesus there is there, I don't need that other. And that's what happiness really is because he is our joy. He is the rejoicing that the apostle is writing about. So we've saw three already, and I want to go briefly with the fourth one. We face our troubles, talking about rules for revival, and we, faith never fails. Understand that and believe that. I'm not talking about feelings now. I'm not talking about some sort of faith just based on emotionalism. I'm not talking about people just coming to some kind of church where they got smoke and, and things on a stage and they say, now, you know, you all come down here and you bow down and do all that. Now, you know, you can get saved. You can get saved. It's easy to get saved. But I'm going to tell you, staying saved is what's hard to do. What, what makes, that's when God is understanding your faith is more than your feelings. It's more than your emotions. It's more than a psychological, you know, rendition of life i mean anybody would say well you know do you want to go to heaven man yeah i want to go to heaven i'm going to tell you the real true faith is people that want to go to heaven because they've been to hell because when you've been to hell heaven makes a lot of difference see when you hurt and when you have been down and out in that life and god blesses you that makes a difference all right now here's the deal and i'll close with this the fresh need of God is thirdly. Fact, the fact that God is trying us. Listen to me. 
it brought me a lot of comfort. I hope it does you. Proves that we are God's children. You, you hear me? The fact that you're going through trials. You ever had to deal with being convicted of a sin that you know is wrong in your life? You know what? You need to thank God. You need to thank God that he's given you that guilt to feel it. And you know, maybe God, I'm not what I need to be. Maybe God, God is teaching you, you see. I've already said, when you start seeking God, you already have him. It's not a matter of, well, I think I'm going to go over and look for Jesus. Where can I go? This way. No, you already have it. What we need to do is understand that as we go through life, see, life is a process. It's a journey. It's not we get to the place and now we're a super Christian. Never happen. It never will. Hey, we're going to be sinners. We're going to have to fight this flesh as long as we live on this earth. We are in a spiritual warfare. And Satan knows our weakness. He knows how to discourage us. And, and we need to be on guard for that. But we need to know this is what proves that we're children of God. You know, remember Job's wife, in Job 2.10, he says, when all he went through, he lost everything. His wife said, won't you just curse God and die? And Job says, woman, I can't do that. I mean, I'm just paraphrasing. He says, you want, me to, you want me to curse God for something bad and, and forget what good he's done for me? And Job later on, you remember, he says, though he slay me, Yet will I trust him. See, that's what happens, the fact that God is, that's our children. He tells, we're his children. Um, you know, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, I believe that's the chapter where God deals with chastening. And he says he chastens them that he loves. And it proves that we're, we're his children. When God chastens us, when God tries us and allows us to go through. But notice uh, in that last verse, of chapter 5, verse 5 rather, last part. The hope maketh not ashamed, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given us. You know why? That we, the greatest rule for revival is that God initiates it. See, He gives us His Holy Spirit. And when we have the Holy Spirit of God, we never have to take it away. Now, it may, it may depend on our, on our faithfulness in God, but God has enabled us for us, our fruit bearing. But I'm going to tell you, you have the seed of God in you. And that's never going to be terrible. You can never, ever lose your salvation. You thank God for it. And so that is, that is a, a worth being revived for. But we see in our life, in the situations that we face, and I think we can see the steps in Romans 5, these five verses, the increments, of, of, of growth, the increments of, of usefulness that, that is acclaimed here. Well, that's what God does. That's what God is working in our lives. I remember years ago when I was doing forestry work, I did a lot of work for a guy up around Elberton, Georgia, who had uh, granite mines. And he bought a lot of property and he speculated on granite mining. And then he asked me to go around and look at his land look at the trees that happened to be on the property so he could harvest that for his income too. But in doing that, I didn't know anything about granite. But I would go to these places, these various places in several counties in North Georgia, and I would see this big hole in the ground. Have you ever seen a granite mine? I mean, it's just, it just looks like the most desolate, God-forsaken place I've ever been. I mean, trees won't hardly grow on it. I mean, it's just a, a, a hole. I mean, these, some of these mines have been abandoned for years, and 
Man, I thought about if a little dog or something fell in those holes, you'd never get out of there. Certainly a mean. But, but I want to think about what happened. What was God doing? Or what was men doing? And I'll apply that to how God deals with our lives. See, God, uh, a man was taking saws and they, was ta- they were cutting that granite and removing it with cranes and taking it to this facilities. And then they would whittle it and shape it and polish it. And you know what it turned into? It turned into things that held bridges up. It turned into uh, wonderful countertops. It turned into uh, grave markers. It turned into beautiful, valuable material. Why? Because it was moved. It was, it was dealt with. It was transfigured uh, or transposed, transformed and to a likeness of a more useful. See, that is what God is doing in our lives. And so if the granite could talk, it might say, why did you take me out of my happy hole in the ground? I mean, you know, we think we have it there. That prodigal thought, he had it made out there until he got in the pig pen. That's how life deceives us. So what I'm saying is God takes us and he shapes us and he molds us. And so what a blessing. Someone is said that diamonds and coal have about the same makeup, uh, chemically. I mean, the same make. But what happens to them is what changes them, what makes them useful, what makes them glitter. May God help us in our lives, to the graduates, to, to all of us undergraduates, that we're in this university of adversity. And that God would bless us to magnify his holy name. And Paul closes this context of this verses, this shedding abroad of, in our hearts of, by the Holy Ghost. You know what that means? That means poured out. That's, the, that's what happened at Pentecost. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And what does that come on? That is a rule of, rule of revival that we see, that we see that we're assured that we have God. Are you assured of your faith? Well, the crisis of life is what brings that out. And know that when God is dealing with you and he's whittling you down, seems to be, seems to be taking things away that you don't understand, God is, has a purpose and he is making you more useful. Don't you know that your hurts, your brokenness in life, many, many times, things happen to you. I want you to see this with me, to help somebody else. They really do. And God is using us for that and and blessing us in that way. Well, may the Lord bless you to rejoice in Him, seeing the assurance and the experience that we have is going to enter into that revived uh, spirit of grace that God has given us, that we can see and feel the pouring out of God's Holy Spirit. I pray that we would see God. You know, the psalm, it says... um, Lord, wilt thou revive us again? I pray that God would help us cry out to that. And just really say, God, revive us. That's what we need. You know, we need revival. You know, we we think about, you you hear about riots and racism and pandemics and viruses. But, you know, I'm convinced what we need is redemption. What we need is, is the understanding that we need to have our hearts, all of us, with a fresh need of Christ and a look to Him, and embracing Him,
and to know that faith really never fails. May the Lord bless you and keep you real close to him is my prayer. Would you, would you bow with me for a closing prayer too? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word. and We thank you, Lord, for the trials and situations. We don't understand them all the time. Very little time we do, and certainly, Lord, we, we'd rather not have to deal with him on our outside self, but we know, Lord, what you do on the inside. You're growing us, shaping us, and molding us, and making us more useful. And so, Lord, whatever it takes to make us more holy, help us to be bold enough and to be committed enough and consecrated enough to you to be serious about denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following you. We love you, and I believe everybody in this room loves you, and I pray that you'd bless us, Lord, to expose that love in whatever situations of life you allow to come. Bless again these graduates, their lives, their careers, and their future spouses, and all that you're going to bless them to know and to have and to hold. But never them, Lord, under, never let them forget that they every day will need Jesus. They will need their Lord. They will need your book. And they will need your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.